you with impurities and sin, right? But in great mercy, because of Jesus' death, because of his righteousness, because we're clothed with his righteousness, God mercifully chooses to reward our undeserving faith with more joy in him, and more joy in him, and more joy in him. And Moses knew that. Old Testament, same in the Old Testament, same in the New Testament. So Moses counted the sufferings of Christ, the reproach of Christ, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Now here's what we've got to understand. Sin is less pleasure than God. Sin is far less pleasure than God is. It's in God's presence that there's fullness of joy. It's in God's presence that there are pleasures forever. Sin can't touch that. Sin can't match that. And so the way that Moses fought the temptation was by faith to put his trust in God, the reward, knowing that God will, as Moses walks the path to obedience, bring his presence pour his love into his heart, show him his glory, satisfy his heart with living water, and he would have more joy in that suffering place, more joy in God in that suffering place. And that joy in God would be so rich that it would be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. That's how Moses fought the temptation. Now, that should raise a question, at least it did in my mind. And the question is, if that's true, if sin is like maybe a thousand dirhams, and the joys of God are like a million dirhams, okay? If that's like how the difference is, then why do we find ourselves desiring the thousand dirhams? Why do we find ourselves desiring to seek revenge against someone? Why do we find ourselves desiring to look at something on the internet I shouldn't be looking at? Why do we find ourselves desiring to have some romantic feelings for someone who's not your spouse? Because we all go through situations like that where we desire sin, right? I mean, has anybody here not had times this last week where you desired sin? I have. Now, just, right? I'm not the only one, right? Please tell me I'm in the right place, okay? Okay, because if you all had the need, I'll be in heaven already. And Anyway, so we've all, this last week, desired sin more than Jesus Christ. That's just the truth. So why is that? If he is greater wealth, then why are we desiring the lesser wealth? Let me illustrate it like this. We all have heart hungers for joy, for peace, for meaning, for pleasure. God's made us that way. We all have heart hungers. And this is an American illustration now, but so bear with me. And God is like meat sizzling on the barbecue. Okay? Our hearts are hungry. God is like meat sizzling on the barbecue. So what's the what's the South South African braai? Okay, so I might never had that, but there it is. Okay. and you can smell it, and it's, oh, you want it, you're hungry for it, because this, he is the joy you were created for. So you're hungry, and God is meat sizzling on the barbecue, and then sin is like, I hope this, you understand this, peanut butter sandwiches? Okay, sin is like a moldy peanut butter sandwich that's been left at the bottom of a neglected trash can for a couple of weeks. You get the picture? Okay. That's what sin really is. In terms of the joy comparison between sin and God, that's an understatement. All right, now, if that's the case, then why do we find ourselves desiring the moldy peanut butter sandwich that's been left at the bottom of the trash can for weeks? Because we do. We have this last week, right? You have. I've desired the peanut butter sandwich. I want that peanut butter sandwich. That's happened to me this last week, and it has to you too. Now, why? This is so important to understand. It's because sin blinds us to God and his glory. Sin blinds us. 
when I'm wanting recognition from people, when I'm wanting, you know, just comfort instead of God or impressing other people instead of God, when I'm wanting other things more than God, the reality is, at that point, my sin has blinded me to God. That's why I want this. And so the solution isn't to grit my teeth and say, I shouldn't want it, I should just go this way towards the whatever's over here. That's not the solution. The solution is to say, God, open my eyes. The barbecue's there. Help me. So here's what I think Moses might have done, and here's what I would encourage you to do. First of all, you come to Jesus Christ just as you are. Lord Jesus, right now I want revenge against this person more than I want you. Forgive me. And Jesus, full of mercy, full of love, even in your sin, welcomes you. Isn't the Lord awesome? Time and time and time and time and time again, he welcomes us. So we come and say, Jesus, forgive me. Help me. And he smiles and he says, yes, I will. He washes you clean. He assures you of forgiveness. And then you say, I'm blind. My sin is blinding me to who you are. Open my eyes so I can see who you are. Help me. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon me. And then you open up the words. This is like the, like the menu, which will describe the brie? Bri. Okay. Bri. Sorry. And so you, you open those scriptures and you say, show me who you are. Show me your glory. And as you do that, you will have times. You've experienced this. You'll have times where the Holy Spirit's poured out upon you and you start to see. Oh, you're glorious. You're beautiful. You're majestic. You are the prize. You're the God of the universe. And it's like you're... You're smelling the bry, okay? I'll keep working on it. You're smelling it. You're hearing it sizzling. You get a little taste of God's glory. It's, oh, why would I want the peanut butter sandwich? I have you, Lord. You're my prize. You're my reward. I'm counting you as greater wealth. I'm counting the path of obedience as greater wealth than the sin because you are the greater wealth. And see, that's how to resist temptation. Not by gritting our teeth saying, no to the path of pleasure, yes to the path of duty because it's the right thing to do. That's not what the scriptures call us to do. To fight temptation, we say, if I'm wanting sin, it's because I'm blind to God's glory right now. I'm blind to his reality. I'm blind to his love, his grace, his mercy, his goodness in Christ. Open my eyes. Help me to see. Help me to feel. Help me to know. He will always answer that prayer. He will always change your heart. Oh, I tell you, you've you've experienced this, but so often my heart has just been like stone cold towards the Lord. And to say, if you can change this heart, you are a truly miracle-working God. And he does. Five minutes later, 30 minutes later, heart's changed. I love you. I see you. I feel you. I worship you. No more sin. I'm going to follow you. So that's how Moses resisted this temptation. Now, Another crucial question in this passage, and that is, how does faith keep on overcoming temptation? How does faith keep on overcoming temptation? Because temptations don't just hit you once, then you overcome it, and then no more temptations the rest of your life. No, you'll have more temptations, like in five minutes, 20 minutes, right? We'll all be tempted this afternoon. The rest of our lives, we're going to be fighting temptation. So how does faith keep on overcoming temptation? temptation. And look at verse 27. By faith, Moses left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So here's what happens. Moses left Pharaoh's household, joined the people of Israel. Greater wealth was there. While he was there, he saw an Egyptian slave master beating a Hebrew slave, and Moses killed the Egyptian 
slave master. Pharaoh got wind of that. Seems like he made a decree that Pharaoh needed to be killed, and so Pharaoh needed to leave for Midian. But in Midian, that would have even been harder for Moses in many ways. He wouldn't have known anyone there. He would have had nothing there. So more temptation. So how did he endure? How did he continue to face and resist temptation, face and resist temptation, face and resist temptation? Did you see how he did that? By seeing him who is invisible. In other words, the same way he resisted the initial temptation. He was looking to the reward. He was seeing him who is invisible by seeing God. I would encourage you to have a rhythm in your life of a daily time. Maybe it'll be in the morning. That works best for me, but you may, be, you may find evening or some other time better. But where you, where you have a regular time in the day where you set everything else aside and your goal is to open up the scriptures and to pray and to see him who is invisible. Right? We all need to see him more, right? As much as you're seeing him right now, we all could see him more, 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 much more. And so to have time where you open up the scriptures and you maybe put some worship music on, you pray, you read, you study, you meditate, and your goal is, I want to see him who is invisible. See, because if you can head into your day seeing him who is invisible, if you can head into the day full of the bry. Okay, okay. You can head into the day full of that barbecue. Then the, the peanut butter sandwich of sin is not going to tempt you. This is like preventative medicine. You go into the day full, satisfied. Forget the peanut butter sandwich. I'm satisfied. I've got the joys of knowing God. So that's how faith continues then to overcome temptation as we keep our hearts seeing him who is invisible, beholding God, trusting God. Now, one more question. Last one. And that is, what about when we don't overcome the temptation? That will happen to all of us. To our shame, we will all have times where we sin. We turn our backs on God. We just pursue the path of sin. And God loves us. He pursues us. He'll convict us by his Holy Spirit. But so, what about those times? What should we do with those times? And look at verse 28. This is a description of Moses' obedience, but there's a powerful implication here for what we should do when we have sinned. Verse 28, By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Remember the story. God sent Moses to Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh said no, so God brought plagues, and the last plague was the worst. The angel of death was going to come upon Egypt and kill the firstborn son in every household. But, God said, that if Israel would take a spotless, unblemished lamb and kill it and take the lamb's blood and paint the the lamb's blood on the doorposts of the house, then the angel of death would pass over that house and not kill the firstborn son in that house. That's where we get the word Passover. It's the origin of the Passover. But now think about this very carefully. Why did the angel of death pass over an Israelite's house? Was it because the people in that house had resisted temptation so well? Is that why the angel of death passed over? Like, oh, you've resisted a lot of temptation, your son doesn't get killed. Is that why the angel of death passed over? No, that's not why. Was it because, well, they'd been particularly good the, the last day, last couple days, so is that why the angel of death passed over them? That's not why. There's only one reason the angel of death passed over them, and that's because the blood of the spotless lamb was on them on their household. This is a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when you turn to Jesus Christ and you say, I trust you as my Savior, my Lord, my treasure, I trust you. I bring nothing to the table but sin. I'm all sin. You're all righteousness, but your mercy too. You say, come and trust you. And the moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you're washed clean. You're clothed with this perfect righteousness by faith alone in Christ alone. Accepted, loved, welcomed by God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. You're saved, you're redeemed, you're adopted, you're in. By faith alone in Christ alone. And so then when you do sin, what should you do? You just turn to him again. By faith alone in Christ alone. I'm sin, I've, I've, I've gotten myself filthy with sin. I'm coming to you again. You are spotless. I am sinful. I am dirty. Wash me clean. Assure me of forgiveness. Change my heart. Help me. And Jesus will do that again and again and again. He will welcome you. He will wash you. He will change your heart. He will give you another taste of the barbecue. You'll be satisfied again in his love, in his presence, and then you'll be strengthened to go ahead and fight the temptation. So how should we resist temptation? Not just by gritting our teeth saying the Christian life means no to pleasure and yes to duty, but by understanding the Christian life means there's greater pleasure in God than what any sin could offer me. And so when I'm drawn to sin, I turn to Jesus and I say, open my eyes, help me to see, change my heart, give me a taste of your glory once again so I'll see and feel and experience your presence is fullness of joy. Sin offers nothing in comparison. But remember the old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will, what? Grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what happens. We need to turn to him because we're seeing the things of earth strangely lit up. Okay, I need to turn my eyes upon Jesus then because I'm seeing things wrong here. We look in his wonderful face. We pray, open my eyes, pour out your spirit upon me, help me, and we will see and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's how we resist temptation. And then, when we sin, we turn back to him just as we are. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Open my eyes. Satisfy me again. Help me. He will. And then get back into the battle and start resisting the temptation again. Let's pray. You... Jesus Christ, are the greatest joy in the universe. It's like the song says, knowing you, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my joy. You're my rest. You're my hope. You're my righteousness. We love you. Jesus Christ, you are the prize. It's like Paul said, to live is Christ. To die is gain. He counted everything as lost for the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord. We worship you this morning here as the joy of the universe. You are God. You are glorious. You are majestic. You are love. You are Savior. You are Redeemer. Knowing you is our highest joy. We love you for that. Help us this week when we find our hearts drawn to sin to stop and as soon as we can to seek your face, to ask you to help us, ask you to open our eyes so that we will see once again that you are the prize, you are the joy, you are the greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. And then, Lord, we praise you for the cross, that no matter how often we do sin, we can turn back to you again and again and again and again and again and again 
and you welcome us, and you love us, and you wash us clean, and you forgive us, and you change our hearts, and you fill us anew, and you strengthen us to get back into the battle. What a Savior. Thank you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Please stand and worship with us again. Your glorious cause, O oh God, engages our hearts. May Jesus Christ be known wherever we are. We ask not for ourselves, but for your renown. The cross has saved us, so we pray your kingdom come. Let your kingdom Come, let your will be done, so that everyone might know your name. Let your song be heard everywhere on earth, till your sovereign work on earth is done. Let your kingdom come. Give us your strength. Give us your strength, O oh God, and courage to speak. Perform your wondrous deeds to those who are weak. Lord, use us as you want, whatever the test. By grace we'll feed your dying till our dying breath. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done, so that everyone might know your name. Let your song be heard everywhere on earth, till your sovereign work on earth is done. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done, so that everyone might know your name. Let your song be heard everywhere on earth, till your sovereign work on earth is done. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom Pastor Steve, thank you for sharing the word with us. It's huge encouragement. I'll leave you with his benediction in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. So may Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let me walk in Him. You are dismissed.